For Canadians, paying with Interact Debit is synonymous with access to your own money. In 2018, Canadians made over 6 billion Interact Debit transactions. That's the equivalent of 160 per person. Interact Debit is accepted at nearly 500,000 businesses across Canada and growing. Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quality Content on the 2020 Network, presented by Interact. I'm your host, Alex Patterson. Since Confederation, over 300 people have served as Prime Minister or Premier in Canada. Only 12 of them have been women. And that, that fact, was brought to my attention by Dr. Kate Graham. She's a prof at King's College in London, Ontario, and back in October of 2018, she approached Canada 2020 with an idea. She wanted to study the experiences of the 12 women who served as First Minister in Canada because it turns out their stories are eerily similar. On average, they served half as long as their male counterparts. They came to power when the odds were stacked against their success. And when they stood for re-election, they all lost. That caught the attention of our team. And so over the last few months, we've been hard at work on a new project that we're calling No Second Chances. It's a new initiative from Canada 2020 that launched last Friday on International Women's Day. Kate and I had a chance to chat after our launch event. We talked a little bit about her experience running for office, what she's learned so far, and what you as a listener can expect. I think you'll enjoy it. And in the studio with me now is, I get to say this into a microphone, Canada 2020 Senior Fellow, Dr. Kate Graham. An honor to be here. <laughs> it feels it sounds so serious now. Well, it's it's serious it's and it's official. And I'm I'm really excited that I actually get a chance to like talk to you one on one about this because um, we've been working together now for many months. Um, but it, it does take me back to a time when you were, you know, you were Dr. Kate Graham and, uh, you know, Kate Graham is coming to, she, I think you were, you were on a podcast that we did mm-hmm. with like Mike Moffat yes. really early on. And you had done this project called like the mayor's project. Yep. Um, and it was really cool. Cause like, you know, you, 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 um, you sort of came across to me anyway, as an academic who, got how to not be purely academic-y. Does that make sense? I try. You try. <laughs> you try. Or it's just meaning not really a fit with academic, not not super keen on writing journal articles for the rest of my life. Yes. So. Okay. So so um, the the reason that you and I are, are chatting today, um, and I mentioned this in my intro, um, is uh, we're recording this on Friday. We're recording this on International Women's Day. Our listeners are listening to this on Monday, the the Monday after that. But we did something kind of cool today. We actually launched mm-hmm. a project that you and I chatted about way, way back in the day. So when you w- were sort of here on that podcast, you're like, hey, I have this idea. Can we connect at some point? Mm-hmm. And, and here we are officially launching No Second Chances. And I think a really good place to start is um, let's go baseline stuff. No Second Chances is a new project that we're partnering on. It's a podcast. People can go subscribe to it right now. But give me the pitch. What's the project about? 
Sure. Uh, so at the highest level, No Second Chances is about examining the experiences of the women who have served in Canada's most senior roles, which we're defining here as first ministers, so prime ministers or premiers. As you know, we've had 303 first ministers in Canada, and only 12 have been women. And there are some really funny patterns. And when I say funny, I mean kind of concerning, perplexing, interesting, I was gonna curiosity say, inducing. <laughs> funny funny is a really weird, yeah. interesting way to say concerning. <laughs> so. It's like that's a that's a rather polite term for what I mean. It's, a, I think, a really problematic pattern. Yeah, yeah. So we know that uh, women tend to only reach these roles in really tough political circumstances. They call this the glass cliff. Right. Uh, we know that women last about half as long as men do. And we also know that there are some real, uh, very strong patterns in terms of the experiences of the women, particularly towards the end of their time in politics. So the project is about hearing from the women who have reached the top in their own words. We have traveled all across Canada to hear from them. And the podcast um, and the website and other tools uh, provide people with an opportunity to hear from these women in their own words in a way they haven't before. Let's let's set some some numbers here. So you said 303 people have been mm-hmm. either a premier or a prime minister. Only 12 of have been women in this since confederation, like in Canadian history. Yes. Um, the, the number that's like 4%. Um, my favorite line that you've come up with is that there have been more than three times as many first ministers named John mm-hmm. than there have been women. And Which like, took a long time to count. I will say, <laughs> <laughs> And like no shots to the Johns listening, <laughs> nope. um, but it, it's, it, it, I think it does prove a point. Um, the thing that caught my attention about this project though is if, I rem- if I'm recalling our conversations really, really early on in this process is you came to me and you said, I want to do this thing. I don't know – how big it could be or how small it could be. Like, I know like it's really, like I'm an academic. I know it could be a really cool and interesting paper. Um, but I kind of feel like, I think you had the sense really early on that it could be a lot bigger than that. And I think the key for me that unlocked it was, was two things. First off, all 12 women are still alive. Um, so all the, which is depressing in its own right because our first first minister that was a woman was in 1991, mm-hmm. um, Rita Johnston in BC. And the second thing that really caught my attention was the reason for naming it No Second Chances, which is that to a woman, um, when they all stood for re-election, they all lost. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think we both kind of vibed pretty early on that this could be a little a lot bigger than just like a paper. Mm-hmm. And so – you know, now that's this podcast, there's events, there's stuff that we're doing. Um, is that what you conceived of early on in this in this process? Well, I think, and I am so very thankful, and I honestly can't say this, uh, you know, I, I can't express this point enough. I am so grateful that when we had that first phone call that you uh, brought life to this idea. You know, I'm, as you said, I'm an academic. I ran as a candidate. I heard a lot of things at the door that really shocked me. Uh, I do believe there is something deep here. Um, and it's really not, I mean, we're looking at the experience of these 12 women. The project is actually about Canadians. It's about how ready are we to see women lead. It's about uh, when we see women actually making tough decisions. Uh, are we willing to stick with them through that? Or do we have different expectations for women that make them uh, not able to, 
you know, stand for re-election as successfully. We see parties fall around them. Like, what is underneath that about us as Canadians? And so I was really interested in digging into that in a serious way. But, I mean, working with the 2020 team has been phenomenal because the expertise around web development and podcasts and big events and so on, that's just, those are things that it's a space that academics normally don't play in. And, uh, and I think it's exactly the kind of conversation that we need to be having right now, particularly as we head into, you know, we've got one female first minister right now. She is heading into a really tough election. She's fighting for her political life. I mean, there's yeah. a version of this where come June, we are dudes across the board again. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, the, as this project, like the, the, the central thrust of this prog- project shows that the, the odds are like historically stacked against her. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Rachel Notley, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So, so I, I, I want to talk about your, um, your experience running in the last Ontario provincial campaign, because, mm-hmm. um, because I, I also think that that has played a really central part in why you've had so much buy-in from um, these 12 women. Um, you know, I've talked to a bunch of them sort of, you know, ad hoc, and they all sort of tell me that, like, you know, um, the fact that you, our project lead, have had the experience of, of running, um, of knocked on doors, have put yourself out there in the 21st century campaign context and, and being a woman that is running for office, um, that unlocked a lot of things um, on this. So, so talk to me about how central your own experience in running for something um, is to this project? Mm-hmm. Well, so the, this project for me started with hearing people talking about Kathleen Wynne, who was the leader. And I would have the same conversation at the door over and over and over again, where people would say, you know, you seem great, but I just, I don't like your leader. And I would say, okay, well, you know, what is it about her that you don't like? And I was shocked to hear the kinds of, you know, it's about her face or her voice or she doesn't seem like a leader, or other things like that. And I'm certainly not saying that that election was won and lost on that. Um, you know, elections are never about one thing. But I am saying that, you know, the way that people interpret leaders when it's a woman in the role, and in this case when it's also a lesbian in the role, is different. And so I think having had that experience and um, having some personal sense about the difficulty that women face when they are leading, and then also there is a bit of a club to having run in an election and lost. And that is, you know, in terms of starting these conversations, it's one thing to talk about wanting to see more women in politics. It's another thing to have been willing to take that step yourself, you know, spend several months knocking on doors. Uh, I certainly received, you know, in a much lesser way than these uh, women who are leading. But, you know, I experienced a lot of personal sexism as well. And so having gone through that experience, I think, does give some credibility and also some relatability when sitting down with women who've experienced this, you know, to an extent that, you know, I certainly haven't experienced. And I hope that women in the future don't have to experience. We, at Canada 2020, during her time as premier, we had um, Premier Wynne on our stage, like, something like seven times Mm -hmm. over the course. She was very active and involved um, premier, she she. The thing I loved about her is that she um, was really good at talking about machinery of government and strategic public policy. She was really uh, game for those kinds of conversations, and so as a result of that, she would come to events. She would show up. She would you know speak on panels. She would kind of get into the dirt of of the the the, the nitty gritty of policymaking. But whenever we would you know have her and and share a picture or say that you should like our, our mentions on our Twitter account would just be like a wasteland for like four mm-hmm. days afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was these like little pockets of insight into what she had to deal with. Um, 
and so what I think is really interesting and in, in what we've talked about is that's a very 21st century version of a really old problem. And so mm-hmm. you – right now at the stage that you're at in the, the project and I want to talk about how far you guys have traveled. I'm looking at our producer Aaron <laughs> in the room as well. Um, you have talked to a few people that um, campaigned pre-social media but th- – like you said, there are some eerie parallels. So like, yes, you're not sending a tweet and saying, I don't like your face or, you know, or, or much worse, more vitriolic things, but there are other versions of that. So I'm just wondering if you can share some of the insights, I'm not asking you to spoil mm-hmm. anything because mm-hmm. the first episode drops March 18th, please subscribe. <laughs> um, but talk to me about some of the older versions of this same problem that we're having. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the neat things is we're getting a 30-year perspective on right. what the experience yeah. of women in the most senior role is. And so, you know, for the women that were serving in the 1990s, for example, they share very similar stories about experiencing sexism. So they talk about being, you know, having a hard time being taken seriously. They talk about walking into a room full of men and, uh, you know, not being able to get the kind of airtime that a, a man as the premier would get, uh, going to an international delegation and having someone, you know, congratulate the chief of staff on, you know, becoming the premier and not making eye contact. (laughs) You know, we've heard that story from people who served 30 years ago, and we've heard that story from people who served very recently. So in some ways, the experience, uh, you know, is the same regardless of the point in time. There's no question, though, that social media has really changed the game. It is, it was described by one of our interviewees as being the toilet of the internet. And uh, we've heard all kinds of just horrific you know, things that people are willing to say from the comfort of their basement online that they would never say to someone's face. Uh, a lot of these are, are bots as well and so on. But, um, yeah, social media has created a really difficult environment. And the concerning part is, does it create a bit of a permission space for a version of misogyny that, uh, that we haven't seen that's seeping into our political culture? And that's a big question and a big problem if it's true. You'd said that the thing that this project is really about. Sure, it's about these 12 women and their experiences, but really it's it's a bit of a mirror, right? It's a mirror for us and, and, mm-hmm. and Canadians. We may not like what we see. Some of these conversations were, were hard conversations. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't, they weren't pretty. I've said this on, on other podcasts and on other interviews that we've had on the show here, um, is that it is an election year. In that context, I, I, I'm wondering, it feels, it feels like we're really far away from a solution to this problem. And so, and I think we heard this in some of the questions that were asked today, like how do we not get bogged down in like kind of the hopelessness? Like how, how do we mm-hmm. kind of like not stare too far into the void on this? Mm-hmm. So one of the, you know, I think one of the core perplexing questions is, you know, why, why in 2019 do women, well, we've only seen 12 women, but why do they only serve half the length of time? And it certainly tells us something important about us as Canadians, and it's not a simple answer. So on one hand, we are uncovering all kinds of concerning things mm-hmm. about the treatment of women, about some of the institutional barriers women face, you know, if they've got children and, and otherwise, uh, about the um, trends in the media, about social media and so on. There are a lot of problems here, but underneath all of this, we know that a big part of the solution is seeing more women in politics. 
weeks. And there is lots of research to show that you need to see her to be her, that celebrating the women who've been there can be very inspiring. For sure, we saw that happen today. You know, the room was filled with young women. I loved the front row with, uh, we had, you know, schoolgirls there. Front row, like front row, which is great. And they asked two of the questions today, and they were brilliant questions. And there were several of of, the questions and then comments afterwards about women saying, you know, politics is scary, but I want to see changes in the world. And I know that I, that politics is a way to do that. And it is really motivating for young women to see women who've been there. And they know the highs and they know the lows. And they're willing to speak frankly about it. But when, at the end of the day, when asked, would you do it again? All of them have said yes. And so I think telling that story in an honest way, in a truthful way, um, but you know, in a really hopeful way to say that we know that talking about this is a part of the solution. What's the thing that has surprised you the most so far? Um, in doing this project? I've been really surprised by how honest all of the women have been with us. You know, these are seasoned political figures. They've done a thousand interviews before, 10,000 interviews before, depending on context. And, you know, when we sit down and start talking about the experiences, usually the interview, it starts with kind of surface level stuff. And then there's a point that comes along where you realize that uh, these women have had very real experiences when they were the premier or prime minister. There isn't a lot of space to talk about it. You don't want to be cast as kind of the archetype whiny baby, you know, playing the gender card and so on. We heard that line today. And... But they've had these experiences, and now that it's in the rearview mirror, they want to talk about it. And even more importantly, I I didn't uh, anticipate the extent to which they want to talk to each other about it. So this is what I was hoping we could talk about, because this really surprised me. You making the assumption, and I think rightly so, that somehow... I don't know, they were on like an email list or like, you know, on like a listserv together, but they weren't, they, they, they haven't been. Yeah. In my, in my head, I imagine there was some like secret once a year retreat of all the women who've been premier and they like hang out and talk about their experiences. And, you know, I assume there was some collection or, or maybe even smaller kind of pockets, but what we've been hearing is that's not the case. And uh, particularly losing an election can be a really lonely experience. And uh, the women have not talked to each other nearly as much as I thought uh, that they would have. And they're loving the opportunity through this project of doing that, of hearing each other's stories, and uh, and we are bringing them together in a whole variety of ways so they can share those experiences and we get the chance to observe those interactions. So it's a really powerful thing uh, for them, but I think also for us as Canadians. I love that they also um, seem to feel, you know, I know, um, you know Premier Wynne, Premier Redford, uh, Premier Clark, um, you know, Premier Dunderdale, uh, a few other folks, like they seem to feel like there's a, they have a sense of ownership over this project, which is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kathleen went so far today as to say that there was an obligation, you know, for the women who have served, uh, they've reached the top. They have an obligation to support the women coming behind them. And uh, I think it was really powerful, you know, Partisanship has not really been a part of this discussion. It doesn't matter what political party these women are from. They all want to see more women in politics. They know how important this is to making good decisions in this country, regardless of party stripe. And building a community of women who support women and uh, to be able to, you know, the phrase was send the elevator back down to the next generation. It's a really powerful thing. And I, I think we're hearing uh, a really high level of support from these women. They want to do that. And uh, it's really wonderful to get to be, you know, an observer of that process of that emerging. Okay. So tell our listeners about what they can expect from the sort of the, the meat of this project is this, this, this podcast series, it'll mm-hmm. be 10 parts limited. It's launching, um, 
it's officially launched today. Our, yeah. our teaser is out. You can listen to it. Um, the first episode drops the the 18th. Tell us about the format of the show, what people can expect, um, and then talk a little bit about how this project sort of wraps up in June. Sure. Uh, so the first episode will be on March the 18th. Really important to sign up and subscribe. You are not going to want to miss this. Uh, it will share the stories uh, of these 12 women in their own words, and we're going to walk a chronological journey. So even though these women have spanned three decades, all political parties, uh, you know, all parts of Canada, they've essentially walked the same path. So the first, uh, well, the first episode is going to talk about the problem, kind of set the context. But when we start on the journey, we're going to start with childhood. You know, let's look at those experiences of the girls who would become Canada's leaders in our most senior roles. We'll then talk about making the decision to run for office in the next episode. Uh, then what it's like to be a newly elected official. And then the big leaps, you know, seeking a leadership. What's that experience like? All of them won. So becoming the premier or the prime minister, what was that like? Uh, and then, of course, the fall. So things start to fall apart. And that's where I think the really um, powerful insights in terms of the reflections on us as Canadians come out. So we're going to walk alongside them uh, through the ups and downs of politics. And then towards the end, the project will culminate with uh, there's some big themes that are already emerging. We'll be talking about those. And we'll be having a big event in June where we bring uh, all of the women together to have a discussion about what is some of the main findings from the project were. It's going to be awesome. Um, you you academic uh, a little bit towards the end there because, <laughs> because I think the thing the findings the and themes? solutions oh, focus yes. yeah well but because the thing that I want to underscore there I know it's so great it's so good but the thing that I, I really want to underscore is that the goal for that event in June is for the first time in Canadian history yes. bringing together. Um, as many of these women who have served in the senior most political roles in Canada, bringing them together for the first time in Canadian history. Like as an executive director of the organization, like, I've never been able to say that before. Yep. So that's really, really exciting for me. So the goal is, is here in Ottawa. Uh, we're, we're, we've notionally sort of picked a date kind of second week of June. I yep. think we're, we're working towards that. And if you want to subscribe for updates and, and be the first to know when that's actually happening, um, you can go to nosecondchances.ca. Indeed. Um, uh, what else am I missing? People can subscribe wherever they get their podcasts. Indeed. Yep. Um, where can they, where can they follow Dr. Kate Graham, senior fellow at Canada 2020 <laughs> on, on, on the internet? Well, we're all, uh, I think Twitter is a good place to start, you know, the Canada 2020 account and my own personal account, which is Kate Marie Graham. Uh, we will be sharing everything as it comes out through this project. But um, the website, nosecondchances.ca, is definitely the main spot where uh, all of the I want to say findings, but I'm sounding academic again. <laughs> All of the stuff that we do, yeah, <laughs> the project, <laughs> is going to be... <laughs> it's, I, I, I want to be very clear. I, I, am, I am not anti-academic. No, no, I know. I am, I am, <laughs> quite uh, the opposite. Uh, quite <laughs> the opposite. It's about giving the largest possible stage and communicating it in the, uh, in the, the, the broadest possible sense. We haven't uh, set any hypotheses and, you know... <laughs> So I am trying to restrain myself. <laughs> I will say, I will say that there, the like, I, I, the stuff I get from you is very well sourced and very well cited. Like, I, it's very a lot of footnotes, which is great. Um, and the other thing I should say about the website, and I'm looking at our, our producer Aaron here, um, it's chock full of like photography from the trip that you guys went on. You guys went coast to coast to coast. I literally mean like you were in like PEI, you were in Tuktoyaktuk, uh, yeah. where um, where uh, Nellie Cornier would would not have talked to you if the fish were biting off of her back dock <laughs> yes. in the Arctic Ocean yes. that day. Yeah, there's some. I mean, 
each of the women, they do reflect something about the place where they live. We were kind of talking about this on the, on the plane one day. You know, do you think that uh, Christy Clark would have been the premier if she was born in the Northwest Territories? Do you think Catherine Kalbeck would have been the premier if she was born in Nunavut? And, you know, I mean, we could speculate about that all day, but the women reflect something really powerful about the place where they live. So that's another, I, I not, don't want to go academic here, but yeah. there's a whole paper that could be written about totally. the way that political leaders, you know, also reflect the regional differences in Canada. And, uh, you know, being able to go to their homes, seeing what books are on their bookcase and, yeah. you know, what we what they served us, what kind of tea we were drinking, like all of those little details just add to the richness of this project. And that's what we'll be sharing through the podcast. Well, that's a great place to end it there. So reminding people one more time to subscribe to No Second Chances, um, wherever they get their podcasts, check out the project. It is ongoing. Like this is today was mm-hmm. the launch, but it is, it's the start of a conversation that we're, um, we're going to be leading, uh, into June and then, and beyond. So you can check us out at nosecondchances.ca. Follow Kate Graham on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow Canada 2020, wherever. Um, and, uh, if people want to give their feedback or kind of get involved in this project, we're, we're open to that. I'm, I'm, I'm making the assumption. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And even today there were, um, many women who came forward after the event and, uh, were asking kind of questions that, you know, did you hear about this or did you think about this along the way? Uh, we love to hear things like that and it can really help shape the conversations we're having going forward. So on the website, there is full contact information. There are all kinds of ways you can reach out to us. Email, our phone numbers are there, Twitter yeah. accounts. Please, if you have an idea, a thought, a reflection, something you agree with or disagree with, uh, engage with us online or, or offline. We would love to hear from you. Okay, happy International Women's Day. Indeed, thanks. And uh, same to you. And congratulations on an awesome launch. I'm Uh, really, really excited about this project. Today was great. And yeah, it's just the beginning. Interact helps Canadians access funds their way. Products like Interact Debit and Interact eTransfer have made Money Mobile taking it from the confines of traditional banking and ushering it into the digital age. As consumers adapt to new technology, so does Interact. Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca.